Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. Hello. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to Comic Book Herald's Live. I don't know, just live. <laughs> Welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. I'm Dave Using, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com, the world's most helpful comic book site. Today, you're not going to believe it, but we're going to talk about comics. Thanks to those of you who are here live, who are hopping in live. It's been about a month since we've done one of these, so appreciate you hopping in here in the new year. Hope you're all doing well. Got to enjoy some time with friends, family, and good comics. We can go through some reading recs, some things I read. Didn't read hardly a single superhero comic over the past month or so, which was great, which was nice. Uh, that said, I'm re-getting obsessed with um, Midnight Suns and uh, also Marvel Ultimate Alliance because I can play that now with, with the oldest, with the toddler. So that's a blast. That's fun. But today we're going to talk about the new comics that came out today. It's New Comic Day, of course, here on January 4th, 2023. Get in your questions in the chat. I've already got some here. The big issues that came out today, um, the biggest, of course, is X-Men Red number 10. We also had X-Force number 36 I've got some thoughts on. And, uh, of course, we're going to have commentary and thoughts on the world of comics at large. Yeah, no superhero comics. Blasphemous. I'm seeing in the chat. It's true. True, true, true. It is blasphemous. I've been doing, uh, so it's been a My Mangalus year over on the My Marvelous Year podcast that I do host with Zach and Charlotte, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. BT Dubs, app that came out this week, we started the year 2001. We're reading a curated list of the best of Marvel Comics published in 2001, starting with Graham Morrison, Frank Quitely, New X-Men. If you want some good X-Men history and just the history of Marvel Comics, that's the way to do it. We go through the hit. It's a podcast. It's a reading club. It's curated. You won't lose your mind trying to read everything, which is the worst way to do it. So we're starting with New X-Men there. So that's been super fun. So that came out this week. Um, but yeah, as, as far as superhero comics go, aside from like obligations like that, you know, and things that I do on the regular, like the podcast, uh, yeah, just doing a lot of manga. A lot of manga, um, trying to catch up on just like I had no manga experience basically prior to last year. And uh, so I'm just starting everything, just going through the classics and, you know, what people recommend to me and trying some stuff. I think the most notable ones, so I finished Monster, finally. Um, that went inside my top 350 favorite comics of all time. That's a Naoki Urasawa joint. I'm going to do 20th Century Boys sometime in the next month, two months or so. Uh, I started Berserk. So are the first four volumes of Berserk. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole list because a lot of things and we can have a longer conversation about that. But uh, but yeah, that's where my head's been at. But then this month, I got an interview with Paul Jenkins coming up. So I got I to gotta go back and do a whole bunch of spectacular Spider-Man. I got to reread Wolverine Origins. Uh, I want to talk about the Marvel Knights era. Underrated, undersung hero, possibly? Paul Jenkins wrote the Inhumans miniseries with Jay Lee from around that time, which is probably my favorite Marvel Knights book of the early 2000s. So I got that interview at the end of the month. I got to do that reading. I'm doing a, a Miracle Man special. So I got to read. I got the uh, Miracle Man omnibus over here. You can't see it, but it's down there. It is. Um, all written by the original writer, <laughs> Alan Moore. So I'm doing a Miracle Man bitch. Oh, man, the, the homework reading is back, but in the best way, right? I put it on myself. Put it on myself. So, yeah, that's, that's what's on the plans. I've seen here in the chat, I got into Kaiguya Same. Thanks to you, absolutely. That was a recommendation from Zach over on My Marvelous Year. It is so funny, so fun. It's a manga about basically two high school students who are in a war with each other not to admit that the other, that they like each other. 
right? That they that they may be falling in love. Uh, whoever admits to to being into the other first is the loser in a game of love is the premise that keeps coming up, but it's stated more efficiently and more effectively than that. Hilarious, hilarious manga. Highly recommend it. But yeah, I will be having for sure some Miracle Man thoughts uh, over the next month or so because I got to do a mega binge. It's been probably seven, eight years since I read it the first time. I'm I'm pretty curious to reread the game in uh, Mark Buckingham Miracle Man stuff too, given that Marvel's brought that back, right? That's resuscitated. That's going on right now. So I'm going to dig into those new comics as well. But that is all to come. That's what I'm looking at here in January, uh, in addition, of course, to good old X-Men and The Sins of Sinister, which is coming up next. And we got a nice little revelation today. If you've been following me and Comic Book Herald and, and the live streams here, uh, Dave Stinney struck again. Listen, I, it's hard. It's difficult being so right so often. <laughs> just hard uh but of course another prediction struck oil now i am curious i am curious i'm talking of course about the end of x-men red number 10 and by the way we're going to spoil the heck out of the comics that came out today so if you haven't read them go ahead and do that then come on back uh but we are definitely going to spoil the ending of x-men red number 10 i'm not going to do it just yet but when we get there we will what i want to know is who do you think the other one is all right we'll get into it from there if you know, you know. Um, okay, let's do this. Let's dive in. Again, keep your questions coming. Keep your thoughts going in the chat. I'll try to check in as often as I can. And we can do this. Okay, so let's talk comics. Thanks for coming back. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, welcome back to the first Comic Girl live stream of 2023. Let's start... Well, let's actually start here. Let's start with some comics that we did not talk about uh, because I was not live streaming over the holidays. Why is Dark Web happening? <laughs> so Dark Web is an ongoing event right now. It is a crossover uh, between Amazing Spider-Man and the worlds of X-Men. Uh, there's a Miss Marvel tie-in. There's some Gold Goblin. Mostly it's a Spidey thing, right? There's Mary Jane and Black Cat series. There's Gold Goblin, which is Norman Osborn's current kind of thing. Um, why, why is Dark Web happening? <laughs> like, it is... Listen, my biggest concern about Dark Web... Th- spearheaded by Zeb Wells coming off of just like the best X-Men book, Hellions, right? Coming off of that with interesting, but you know, middle of the road, amazing Spider-Man run. It was like, all right, whatever happens here, I just really don't want this to be Inferno 2.0 redux, right? (laughs) Because like, actually we had an Inferno 2.0. That's the Hickman version, right? I don't want this to just be like a derivative copy of the 1989 event Inferno, which is really good. Um, it's exactly that. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? It's just an Inferno copy. It's a riff on Inferno, except this time we got Ben Riley involved as the Matter clone. <laughs> Madeline Fryer's like been through some stuff. You know, maybe she's not going to come out of this full-on evil Goblin Queen. Shades of that. Shades of maybe not going that direction. Ben Riley's the real angry one. I just, woof, woof. That event. Oh boy. Oh boy, I am out on Dark Web. Hard out. It, it goes to show what a miracle it is when a Marvel comic book is flipping incredible. You know, it's just a miracle. Like when when a creative unit comes together and they have the freedom and the vision and frankly, like just the energy and skill set to make it happen like Zeb Wells and collaborators did with Hellions. You know, because you take that same writer, you put him in in the Amazing Spider-Man landscape 
with X-Men crossover. And it's like, yeah, that all makes sense. This makes perfect sense. Dark web, you know, I got it should be decent. And it's just like, what? Why are we doing any of this? Huge waste of time. Huge, huge waste of time. Uh, it's one of those events where I'm like, I, I maybe I should stop. <laughs> reading superhero comics but more importantly it's like why am i why am i putting together reading orders on comic herald who is this for who am i helping not myself that's for sure um i know who i'm helping i'm helping the hundreds of readers who come to comicherald.com for their reading order needs that's who i'm helping and you, you listen like if you are thinking about needing some help with reading orders and you're like oh should i go to comic herald should i go to one of these other competitor sites listen cbh needs the help <laughs> needs the help. Not all is as rosy as it used to be. Let me tell you that. I got some investigations into traffic concerns. Oh boy, oh boy. Things are looking rough on the CBH side, but not as rough as Dark Web. Dark Web is, is really bad. <laughs> it's bad. It just is. Uh, it's too bad. The Dark Web um, X-Men mini, written by Jerry Duggan, who's writing the current X-Men ongoing, or the solo series, uh, that is perfectly pleasant. That is perfectly pleasant. It's got Rod Raceart. It's got uh, little Phil Noto. Um, it's a nice little X-Men Summer's Family dealing with Madeline Pryor Goblin Queen stuff. Like, like it functions decently as a follow-up to the Vita Rod New Mutants arc about magic and, and Madeline Pryor, you know, connecting and then Madeline getting set up again as the Queen of Limbo. Um, if, if you're an X-Men reader, you could read just those issues. Uh, and it really doesn't connect that hard with the rest of, frankly, the event. Um, and frankly, I think that'd be the approach. I think that's the play. I did also like Mary Jane and Black Cat because uh, Jed McKay is really good. And I also think we got the news, not the news, but the the suggestion that, um, well, there is going to be a new writer on Avengers starting in 2023 when Jason Aaron's run concludes, which, long time coming. And uh, it feels increasingly, increasingly likely that Jed McKay is going to be the writer. Um, I know a lot of folks are like, oh, I'd love to see Karen Gillan get a shot at it. I'd love to see Al Ewing do it. Uh, and yes, like great writers. Like, of course, they'd be interesting on Avengers. Ewing's done a lot of Avengers stuff, so I'm actually not that interested in that. Um, I feel like it's going to be Jed McKay. And if you're not familiar with Jed McKay's work, great Black Cat run, which, like, it's the Black Cat run. Like, there's not, there's no competition. Like, there's just that one. Um, and uh, a really flipping good Moon Knight run that's going on right now. And actually, I'm pretty into Strange. Uh, I, I wasn't feeling Death of Doctor Strange, which is something they did. Um, Strange is, is Clea taking over the Sorcerer Supreme. It's interesting. It's a good book. Uh, but Gemma K on Avengers, I think, would, would really be solid. Um, so I feel like that's in the pipeline. But we'll see. But we'll see. And also, like, my other thing with, you know, Gillen or Ewing or, frankly, anybody in the X office on Avengers is, like, let them do X stuff. <laughs> it's enough. You know, it's big enough. There's plenty going on. And I don't know, scattering the intentions fan on something like that, I feel like would would not help us out. Okay, so all right. So that's my dark web analysis. Um, I almost certainly will not be talking about it again, unless something absolutely massive happens that impacts the rest of the moral universe, but it's not going to. <laughs> and uh, again, you know, we'll see. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. I wish that was better because it is this thing now where it's like, we're approaching 20 issues in to a Zeb Wells written Amazing Spider-Man. And this is not helping things. This is not helping things. It is not taking off. It has way overplayed its mystery. You can only sit on a mystery for so long before it's just annoying. And I think it's well past that point. I think it is well past that point, which is too bad. Uh, what is not too bad, 
or some of the X-Men comics today. So let's talk about those. Uh, okay, first, we're going to talk about the one that I'm not as into, uh, which actually doesn't mean I don't like it, because I kind of did. Uh, X-Force number 36. X-Force number 36. Okay. At the end of X-Force number 35, X-Force discovered that Beast, our resident CIA um, morally bankrupt leader <laughs> of Krakoa, uh, was had set up a, a off-world prison where he was conducting experiments, right? So we have this, like, off-the-books prison where folks are arrested and experimented on without trial or consent. Yet another dark, dark turn for the ever-loving Bouncing Blue Beast. Um, X-Force figured this out. They have to shut it down and bring Beast back with them. That's where the issue ended, and it was kind of like, oh, okay, all right, Beast is going to be put to it. He's going to get have to go to trial. Uh, maybe the pit is in his future, right? But it's like, all right, fine. Finally, Beast has been caught in the act doing something so horrible that it will actually come to light, and there will be some sort of, of um, comeuppance for this character. Nope. <laughs> like, this issue starts... Uh, did I miss an issue? Did I miss an annual? Was there anything in between 35 and 36? Because Beast is just hanging. He's just back. Like, what the hell? He's just hanging out. He's talking uh, with Sage. The rest of the team is literally giving him, not literally, but like almost giving him the silent treatment. They're just like, all right, we're not talking to you. We only talk to Sage now, which is at least humorous watching the whole team ignore him. Um, there's a moment where he gives a big rousing here's why we have to be awful speech. And uh, and the team literally just ignores him and all turns to Sage, which like, I like that development. But what is he even doing in the room? What is he even doing in the room? It's insane. It's preposterous. Like that's not, that's not, oh, we caught you um, drinking on the job, right? Or, oh, you know, oh, you didn't get your report in time this month, Beast. Like, you know, you're on watch now. <laughs> you set up an off-world prison where you were experimenting on all sorts of aliens and, and who knows what. Like, just blew my mind. Blew my mind. I literally had to go to Comixology and I was like, what, what did I miss? I must have missed an issue between 35 and 36 <laughs> because this is completely preposterous. Uh, but yeah, apparently he's just back and no one's, did anything like it wouldn't be surprising the professor actually would be like no beast has my full support you know regardless of what he did blah 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 gives everybody the big grandstanding charlie x you know play and uh and lets him go but like that sequence didn't happen that scene did not happen um it didn't make sense it doesn't make i mean it 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 doesn't it doesn't uh but that that level of behavior is like all right at least like he shouldn't be on the team anymore like why are we pretending why are we pretending nothing could possibly be done Yes, it, it felt like an issue was missing. Um, ben Percy, I do think, you know, I've, I've had my problems with this run, and the problems are primarily, it is it is too confident that everyone has um, absolutely unending reserves of patience <laughs> and is just cool to, like, chill for 40 issues with, with very little happening. Uh, ben Percy is making, doing a reasonable job, though, making it clear that there are significant threats to Krakoa. You know, I think Zeno and the way that they've been portrayed over the course of the series, um, it feels like a genuine threat. Like it is the sort of threat where if you're Krakoa, not everyone's going to just get along with you. There are going to be outside human threats, in this case, like bioengineering and these sorts of creepy, grotesque manipulations of giving human superpowers. That all feels very believable, very in tune 
with X-Men comics history. Uh, one of the challenges, the biggest challenges that occurred to me today, when you already have Orcus as the major human antagonist, Zeno's kind of stretching your antagonist groups too thin. Um, it's hard to get invested in Zeno because they're so specifically just a Percyverse thing, you know, uh, as opposed to being actually connected in any sort of relevant way, right? Like if this was even, if you even just said like this is a cell of Orcus, it would feel connected to what is happening in the rest of the X-Books, especially as we build to the fall of X later this year, which I'm have been saying for months is going to be the big Orcus X-Men or X-Men or Krakoa showdown, right? Um, Zeno is just like, they're tertiary. They're to the side of all of this. And it's like, they're just a Percyverse thing. And if he has the feeling of like, well, this all kind of doesn't matter. It's all kind of just its own little silo um, that that doesn't really connect to what is going on. I Even just that small connection, I think would help this book feel, uh, give it a greater importance, right? Give it some gravity. Um, aside from that, though, you know, again, like they're a, they're a genuine concern for the Krakoan nation to the point that, you know, it does not justify, but help explain Beast's direction. There would be mutants and, and should be mutants who are like, here are the measures we need to take to stop groups like them. Now, obviously, at this point, 36 issues in, Beast is so far gone, so exaggeratedly gone. It actually makes me miss a little, like if Percy had, I don't know, on one hand, I'm saying do more. And I fully think that that's what this book should have done, right? I think it should be, it, it's been sitting on mysteries for years now, right? That just, just like, all right, nobody sustains their, they, these aren't, these mysteries aren't that cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like these mysteries are not cool enough to be sitting on them for three plus years. But I'm saying that. And then on the other hand, it is like, well, is Hank's build subtle enough? I guess actually probably in retrospect it is. I mean, probably it is. Again, we've been doing this for three, four years now. Uh, so to get Hank to the point where now he's giving his big rousing rah-rah, and he's uh, like completely oblivious to anyone around him, which that that actually maybe feel. I mean, obviously there's a lot of talk about like, okay, is Hank, um, is he mischaracterized as a character assassination? And I think, you know, I and many others have pointed out like, no, this is actually a trajectory this character has been on for like 15 years um, in the Marvel Comics universe. It's just not what you remember from the animated series or like 70s Avengers, right? Uh, but, you know, that said, like the mischaracterization potentially is like Beast losing just all social, like, like intelligence. <laughs> like, like he cannot read any room. Like the, the fact that he thinks these members of X-Force who literally won't talk to him who are turning to Sage, like he can think they're playing a childish game, but he should also probably recognize that they're not going to take orders from him, you know, that they're not listening to him, that he's lost that, uh, and he he doesn't. He has not made those connections. Uh, okay, so anyway, that's it. Like he's a, he's a necessary evil or that type of character, whether you think it should be Beast or not. Um, he is, I mean, the most evil mutant on Krakoa currently. I don't think anyone else could really rival him, <laughs> you know? And that's not for nothing. Like, work has been put in to make that so, to make that um, understandable, if not enjoyable, okay? So what happens at the end of this is, is Hank lets loose a Trojan horse, Krakoan egg. 
He unleashes a Krakoan egg. It gets sold at Ben Percy's superhero auction black market thing. Uh, not realizing. So Beast doesn't realize. So he, his plan here is like, all right, we're going to, Orcus is going to buy this Krakoan egg and they're not going to be able to do anything with it because they don't have the requisite skills. Um, but it's going to allow us to track them. Then we'll infiltrate and we'll finally, finally get to the cock with a P tattoo, right? We will finally see the visage of the cock with a P tattoo. Um, and what we see at the very end of this is that egg has been sold. Orcus has grabbed it to Beast's plan, and the cock with the P tattoo has what I thought was a baby Quentin Choir with him. Because Beast makes the comment that, um, well, they, they need a super powerful telepath. They need a super powerful um, mutant telepath in order to operate this. And without that, uh, you know, what are they going to do? What could they possibly do? And we see the cock with the P tattoo standing there with his little boy with, with reddish hair and a pink flourish, uh, indicating like, oh, they've got one. They've got a little mutant boy. Now, what I thought had happened here was because, what was it, Rasputin, Colossus's brother, had captured Quentin Coire, or a, a body of him, way back, okay, and I think had sold it to Zeno, they could have used that DNA to clone um, a copy of Quentin Coire. I think that's still in play. I think that's still in play, but what I saw today, and this is not something that I uncovered on my own because I'm not that attuned to X-Force, uh, it was on Twitter, and I wish I had it in front of me so I could credit the individual, um, but they posted that there's this, like, little telepath boy named Max, and uh, this is from earlier in X-Force that I guess Max was, like, stolen. Like, there's a sequence of, like, Xeno being like, hey, we captured a baby mutant. I completely forgotten all of this plot thread. But based on that, I think it's probably Max, whoever that may be. And it's mentioned in these X-Force issues per these clips. And I really should have grabbed this, this tweeter's name because it's totally taking their thing. This is not my discovery. Um, it's He's like, yeah, he's, he's got telepathic abilities. So it's probably the baby they stole. Uh, it, like, it would make just as much sense if it was Quentin because they also cloned a Quentin. Why do both things? I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Okay, uh, but that that would have made, I, I feel like the Quentin angle actually would have made more sense. Like that's more of a memorable mystery and this run spent so much time on Quentin and now he's just kind of off the map and he can't be resurrected and nobody understands why. So that maybe that's still in play. Maybe that's what this is. But I there's apparently this Max baby that's been stolen as well. Maybe it's a combination. Maybe it's the Max baby with Quentin's Omega level genes uh, uh, integrated in somehow, right? Bioengineered through mad science. Maybe we could do that and have a combo platter. But, you know, a lot actually happened this issue. Like, a lot actually happened. Uh, it was enjoyable. Again, it was not what I expected because I didn't think Beast would just be hanging, <laughs> chilling with the homies. But, uh, you know, it's, it's plenty going on. X-Force, uh, when it's like this, it can be really engaging. It can be really engaging. Uh, I'm seeing the question here, what about Russia's plans? Uh, yeah, and then it can do things that are <laughs> mysteries that we're sitting on for, you know, decades essentially. Um, Colossus does apparently have some awareness that he's being manipulated, not to the point that he can actually tell anyone about it. He tries to sneak a painting into Domino's room, which if any of my friends ever snuck a painting into my room, I, I would know like, oh, okay, they're, they're being controlled by Russia. Like this is, there's no question about it. 
they're being Manchurian candidated by Russia. Like just that would be my first thought and it would be proven correct. Every, it has been proven correct every time it's happened. All the paintings I have on my wall are from friends, former friends, <laughs> who were lost to the Soviet Union. Um, but like aside from that, I mean, no, nothing has developed with that plot. It's still the funniest thing to me that Inferno dropped Colossus joining the Quiet Council is like a big stinger. And it has not come up once since that he's a Russian spy or is <laughs> being manipulated by Russia. Uh, let's see. We got a super chat here from Rodrigo. My problem with Wolverine and X-Force is that they do things so unredeemable, like the prison on space or the Wolverine pet, that you can't imagine Beast not going full villain from now on. They don't care about consequences. Uh, Beast isn't, he's not going full villain. He's been full villain. Like Beast is a villain on Krakoa. And it's, it's taken, I think, a lot of readers a really long time to try to shake that image. Like, name one good thing Beast has done, you know, over the, over the Krakoa era. Name a nice Beast moment. <laughs> they don't exist. He's just a villain of this era. Um, he, is, he is Mr. Sinister, but frankly less secretive because we've had a book looking at him, you know? Uh, is it... I don't know that they don't... I don't know that it's like a they don't care about consequences thing. I just think these are the consequences they've chosen to embrace, which is making Beast the irredeemable figure, essentially. Um, I, you know, it is one of those things, too, where it's like, it, it would be harder to pull off, but it would maybe feel a little more, I don't know, like, it's, it's like you don't want to pull any mutants onto Beast's side because then they're taken down with him, too. But it is very much just like, well, this is just him. He's the only one who is behaving this way and seemingly believes it. Again, aside from Professor X, who's kind of that, like, you know, I wash my hands of it. I let the CIA do whatever the CIA is going to do and don't ask too many questions kind of thing. Um... <sighs> So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Are there other characters that you feel like have been tarnished besides Beast? I mean, I feel like it's really just, I feel like it's really just Beast. Um, and it's very intentional. I mean, it sucks for that character. Like, if you're a fan of Beast, it sucks. But, I mean, it, you know, again, too, like, this is Marvel Comics. It goes on forever. Um, at some point, somebody's going to, they're going to wash this away. <laughs> Either through just, like, pretending it never happened or, more likely, you know, some sort of tampering was done. Some, some radiation in the air that warped Beast's mind. We'll look back at, uh, at it'll be post-decimation, uh, uh, back when Beast was looking for a cure to the decimation of mutants. And what we didn't see off-panel was that Dark Beast actually unleashed a radio emitter of his own brainwaves and that those actually started to uh, integrate into Beast's own psyche and they'd slowly possessed him over the course of about 15 years. And there were two Dark Beasts out there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he's acting this way. Listen, somebody will explain it, okay? And they'll do it in a very comic way. We'll get Fun Beast back. Uh, it's just not going to be for a good long time. Not going to be for a good long time. Uh, okay, before we do X-Men Red, I'm going to take a drink and we can look at some of the questions coming in. I'm seeing uh, a lot of, I thought the little kid with the cock with the pee tattoo was Baby Arcade. No way, but that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> no chance that's who that is, but that would have been pretty entertaining. Uh, let's see. I'm also seeing here from Truth Teller Forian. My suspicion is real-world events made Marvel tell Percy to ixnay on the Usher Ray. That feels not super unlikely. Uh, I think there may be some merit to that theory, certainly, uh, given that Russia invaded the Ukraine, and that is a real awful war that is happening as part of... Uh, 
just one of Putin's maddest, most vicious schemes yet. So do you want to be playing in that space in your comics world? That's supposed to be a bit of an escape. Probably not. <clears throat> Probably not. Probably didn't see that one coming and, you know, no fault there, of course. Um, <laughs> James says, Beast has protected Krakoa, you ungrateful humans. <laughs> that's, hey, listen, that's what we need. We need more folks who are pro-Beast so that we know which mutants not to like. <laughs> that would be so helpful. Uh, let's see, not including Dark Beast, when did this trend of evil Beast start? I mean, it's been a slow progression of things, but, I mean, again, post-decimation really messed Beast up. He couldn't solve that. He couldn't fix it. And that messed him up a bit. Um, in Marvel, in the Marvel Now era, Beast makes a couple very bad decisions. One, his arrogance and hubris leads him to bring back the original five X-Men into modern day, which is, like, just completely uh, uh, ignorant of any time travel ramifications. And he does that for totally selfish reasons, and again, through his arrogance. He also joins the New Avengers Illuminati in, in another very arrogant move of, hey, us secret men with our secret power can save the world and not have any problems, right? That kind of kickstarts it. If you remember during Secret Empire, <laughs> which most don't, and we don't talk about this for many reasons, Beast is also on the side of the mutant nation that kind of plays along with Hydra. You know, just to like, it, we don't talk about that. That's fine. Um, but yeah, there, there's been quite a few things. But again, it's over the course of, I mean, now a decade plus. Uh, all right, what else do we got here? Questions about the Sinister of Hearts. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, even the Watcher did roast Beast, Kenji points out, uh, for that time travel idiocy. <laughs> Which is great, right? Anytime the Watcher roasts you. You know you've you know you've sunk a little bit low, a little bit low. Okay, so X Men Red number ten. Al Ewing, Stefano Caselli, got Jacopo coming uh, filling in here a little bit. The okay, leading into this issue, Krakoan resurrection finally happens for Vulcan, aka Gabriel Summers. It resets him to his Emperor Vulcan persona, uh, which is ultimately all the scheme of Abigail Brand. Okay, Abby, Abby Brand planned all this. Brand schemes in this issue are found out. Okay, that's it's been a Bit of a slow build to, you know, she's playing all sides. She's working with Orcus. She's manipulating the X-Men and Krakoa for her own endeavors. Ultimately, just to, in a very beastian way, but on a much grander scale, um, protect the cosmos, protect, you know, Earth. She's like, every, everything else is justifiable, including starting a galactic war, essentially. Uh, but these schemes are found out. She's forced into hiding and then receives a bit of revelation at the hands of our boy Max the Fisher, um, who seemingly knows way more about her than we've ever learned before, which is all super interesting, including her last name, maybe where she's from. Some nice little mystery there, teased out by Al Ewing. Uh, throughout most of this issue, Vulcan is fighting Storm. We have an Omega-level mutant showdown. It ends with Storm... Uh, just like very easily tricking <laughs> Vulcan with her Araco friends. And that leads to Vulcan being trapped in Mysterium for as long as that can contain him. The big revelation, though, the one that is the most surprising, well, you know, long-term surprising, I predicted it months ago, uh, the Black Spade Sinister, the Nathan Essex with the Black Spade on his head, is in fact inside Orvis Stellaris. Now, I, I was thinking... 
that Sinister's like consciousness or just voice was maybe being communicated through that gold sphere. I wasn't expecting an old guy to literally be sitting inside of it. <laughs> but apparently that Nathaniel Essex was literally living inside of the Orbis Stellaris gold sphere. We have another Sinister revealed. Uh, this one is, is it the Sinister of Spades or is it the Sinister of Black Spades? I'm not sure if we have one of each or just if there's going to be one pursuit. Um, but regardless, another one confirmed, okay? Another one confirmed, which leads to the question that I was alluding to at the very start of this, which was, okay, who's coming next? Now, Mother Righteous is the most likely candidate that I pitched back when I talked about this in a previous live stream. I think in Legion of X, that is to come, that Mother Righteous is going to be revealed as another sinister. Some folks here in the chat have mentioned, and this was talked about last time too, is the man with the peacock tattoo the Sinister of Hearts. Okay, we have a character who is dedicated to bioengineering, apparently pretty good at it, does weird things <laughs> with the human body and clones, and has been wearing a mask all this time. It feels in play. It feels in play, you know? Like, if we're gonna do black and red of each suit, which is what Gillen sort of alluded to in Immortal X-Men number eight, then I think probably you, yes, you know, probably, yes, that is going to be a Zeno, um, or, or rather connected to Zeno, which would retroactively make kind of all everything about them more interesting, you know, uh, but it also would be like, man, you've been sitting on that for a long time. <laughs> like, like, we know so little about the cock with the P tattoo, you know, they're not an interesting character. Here's the thing about Mr. Sinister, always interesting. Always, always interesting. Mother Righteous, interesting. Orbis Stellaris, interesting. In limited spurts here, okay? Very limited spurts. Uh, same with the other one that we saw in the Duggan X-Men. Um, Dr. Stellaris, right? Interesting new characters. The cock with the P-tattoo? Nah, not really. Not really. And, like, it would be one of those things, too, where it's like, well, okay, no way that was planned at the start of the Dawn of X. Not no way, but, like, I doubt it. You know, so that would, that would be a retroactive thing where, you know, presumably Percy has some idea who's buying that mask, you know, presumably. Uh, but anyway, anyway, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't, but I see why some might. I definitely see why some might. Okay. Uh, which, you know, again, I, th I think it's, I, I think all we're going to get, I don't know if it'll be before Sins of Sinister starts or during, but I think the only other one we're going to get is Mother Righteous. Again, this is a character who started in Legion of X. Cy Spurrier writes Legion of X. He's the other writer alongside Ewing and Gillen who's going to be writing Sins of Sinister. Um, Gillen pulled Mother Righteous into the Sebastian Shaw issue of Immortal X-Men. I think it's Mortal X-Men number five. Uh, that character is going to play a role in Sins of Sinister and, I mean, I'm super confident is going to be the other Sinister uh, and, and probably the only other sort of major player. I just feel like there's going to be four. You know, I, I don't know that we could get to another four uh, at least as characters we know, right? You could have another four Sinisters that are just like, you know, sort of created on the fly and, and doing new stuff. But I think that is who it's going to be. Okay. Uh, it, you know, long story short, with X-Men number 10, this run's been great. The conclusion felt maybe a bit quick, but I think that's more a function of reading it as it comes out, you know? It's been a while. Um, as opposed to, I think when you read this all together, it is going to make some sense. Uh, you still have Brand on the run and scheming, you know, um, Vulcan, the Vulcan thread, I don't know, it was satisfying and it wasn't, 
I suppose. Like on one hand, bringing it back and and tying it to an Abigail Brand scheme connected to a sinister floating in a gold sphere, that was all really cool stuff that I did not see coming, I think. Um, at the same time, we have those three super mysterious weird creatures that like captured Vulcan in the fault and experimented on him that Hickman sort of originated and teased and we didn't do a lot with that, with the fault and the cancerverse and all that sort of potential going back to War of Kings, you know? Um, so it, I feel like something was lost, you know, something was lost in the shuffle, but generally I liked it. And you put Vulcan not on ice, but, you know, a bit carbonated here for the foreseeable future. It's a little disappointing. I, there is a part of me, a pretty strong part of me, actually, the more I think about it. I mean, I kind of wish Brand's plan had worked out <laughs> like like starting the galactic war she sought and the instability in the Shi'ar empire that's kind of a more interesting cosmic landscape you know um in the right hands at least than than just like okay the the Kirkone piece is maintained I don't know like I, I feel like that's maybe a more interesting Marvel universe but not to be at least for the time being so all right Get in your questions, get in your thoughts. I'm going to address as many as I can. We've got some from earlier that I'll start off with here after a big old swig. Comic Carol is, of course, sponsored by Big Water. Thanks to Big Water for sponsoring the show. Marco says, hey, Dave, happy 2023. Happy New Year to you as well. Could that little boy at the end of X-Force number 36 be Charles Xavier II? Xavier and Mystique's child introduced in Battle of the Atom. That would be hilarious and... Preferable to every alternate option. That said, no. <laughs> no way. It's definitely going to be some version of Quentin Quire, this weird little Max baby, or a combination of the two. I am, I'm hanging my hat on that one. Um, let's see. We talked about Rodrigo's question. We got Christopher who says, Hey Dave, I'm writing a comic book, and there will be a character named Comic Book Harold. Harold spelled H-A-R-O-L-D. Just think, if it gets bought, you could be famous. I think you mean more famous, presumably. <laughs> but other than that, that's hilarious. That's amazing. Uh, Comic Herald is one of my favorite puns. I wish my name was Harold, just so Comic Herald would make more sense. Uh, but, you know, that's awesome. All right, we'll have to support that book. Presumably the title will be Comic Book Herald uh, with H-A-R-O-L-D. I don't know how that character could not be the lead of the book. That said, when it comes out, obviously that is something I will be supporting. A question that that makes me think of, is Comic Book Herald a confusing or weird name to any of you? <laughs> so, like, I grew up around a newspaper in the Chicago suburbs called the Daily Herald. So, as as a newspaper name and, and as, you know, just sort of a general publisher brand, that always made sense to me. And then I also liked, when I was naming CBH, I was like, well, in a Herald, of course, in the Marvel Universe, a la Silver Surfer, is someone who, you know, helps people find things. And that's what I do. You know, I'm helping people find comics and, and with reading lists and guides and all that fun stuff, right? So that's the history <laughs> of Comic Herald. But I realized recently talking to someone, maybe somebody who was not from the States, um, that they were like, what is a Herald? Like, why is that the name? That's weird. <laughs> and now I'm curious if that is actually the experience of more people. Let me know. Let me know. No. Uh, okay. We're, we, I'm seeing some conversation here about um, is Al Ewing going to be continuing on uh, uh, X-Men stuff after Sins of Sinister? Uh, every indication is yes. Every indication is that both Ewing and Gillen 
will be doing more X-Men stuff after Sins of Sinister. So I hope that is true because the Destiny of X has every everything great about the Destiny of X has not everything, but like so many things great about the Destiny of X has been spearheaded by those two writing such great 1A, 1B books, you know? And again, I don't know which is the A and which is the B, truly. Um, but yeah, I'm super hyped for Sin Sinister. Uh, comment here from Brayden. Brayden says, am I crazy? Uh, something like that. But uh, but I prefer Ewing's Venom to X-Men Red. Uh, to me, that's that's bonkers. I can't, can't wrap my head around that. Uh, but, you know, it has occurred to me over the course of a decade plus running Comic Book Herald that sometimes people have different tastes than me. <laughs> this has come up at least once. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I would imagine you're not alone, although you're definitely in the minority. Definitely in the minority. I saw X-Men Red on way more best of the year lists than, uh, than Venom, which I don't think I saw at all. But, hey, if that's the one that's doing it for you, you know, I've got nothing against that. Um, okay, let's see. All right, I'm seeing some comments on the name here. The name is great. People just be dumb nowadays. All right, let's let's take that. All right, that's better. I think if anybody from now on says to me, um, you know, I, I, what's the name about? I'd say, you're so dumb. <laughs> just, just hit them, right? Just hit them where they live. Uh, always made sense to me. A herald is someone who announces royalty. Uh, that's fair, right? Like every time I'm like, hey, it's Comic Book or I'm Dave uh, with Comic Book Herald, I'm like announcing myself, right? And I'm the king, of course, of comic book, you know, guides and, and publications and conversation. Uh, CBH makes sense. All right, this is all the confirmation I needed. Uh, who is brave enough? Who is brave enough to come in and say, no, the name stinks, I don't get it. <laughs> Let's see that. Let's see, he has confirmed this isn't the last issue. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely we're going to see more from Ewing and Gillen. Uh, have you seen the Twitter Q&A from Steve Orlando today, Bill asks? No, <laughs> should I have? Did anything interesting happen? Uh, I am definitely trying to spend significantly less time on Twitter these days. Uh, oh, Steve Orlando. Oh, good old Steve Orlando. I like Steve Orlando a lot, truly. Uh, one of the earliest guests I had on as an interviewee for CBH Interviews uh, has written some fantastic comics that I really like and recommend. Uh, Marauders does not work for me. I forgot to even mention it came out today, which is not an intended slight. I just forgot. Uh, Marauders number 10. It is doing big wild time travel stuff like it doesn't lack ambition i suppose um there's even some pretty interesting like revelations and some things that they're trying here like the original okara stuff like that in today's issue but man this book just does not does not work for me uh i suppose today's issue had some pretty interesting things between uh kate pride and cassandra nova you know if you're invested in that i've wondered what that relationship is like you know, Orlando does some nice character work on that front, but no, like, it's just not my cup of tea. That happens sometimes. That happens sometimes. Um, I'm seeing Open Mike Eagle say, my lady thinks I'm saying Comic Book Herald, H-A-R-O-L-D. I have gotten that a lot over the last couple of years, especially since I've started doing, like, YouTube and podcast stuff. People, people, you know, when I'm just saying it verbally right instead of seeing it written, folks are like, yeah, like the name Harold. What a, what a wild name that would be. <laughs> for a guy not named Harold, right? With no, no famous Heralds in the comic book landscape, to my knowledge, right? Like, I don't think, like, who's the most famous Harold in comics? <laughs> I have no idea. The Heralds in my life, I think I have Harold Baines. Um, is it Harold Bloom? Is it Howard Bloom? Literary critic? Uh, but Harold Baines, I remember. Baseball player, Baltimore Orioles, White Sox a little bit in the 90s. Um, what other heralds do we got? Hark the Herald, Angels, obviously. Not that many. Not that many are coming to mind. Herald from Hey Arnold, I think, 
right? No, it's Gerald. The comic book Herald, where it's the soft G, is also very popular <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, hit me up with your favorite Heralds. We'll do that. We'll do that on the next live stream. Let's see. Okay, final questions. Let's wrap this baby up. Um, I answered all the questions I had saved. Perfect. What do we got in the chat? Thoughts on Zabu and Marvel Snap? <laughs> yeah, I've cooled slightly on Marvel Snap, but not that much. Not as much as you might think. Um, it's I still play it, you know, daily a few times. My kids really like it. My kids really like it. They've learned a boatload of Marvel characters by playing Marvel Snap, which is flippin' thrilling. Uh, that that has been a really fun time. Uh, yeah, the new season is Savage Land focused. The new special card is Zabu. I am not a Snap Premium member, so I never get these special cards. Um, but I did think it was funny that we went Black Panther, right? Huge character, huge name. Wakanda, big deal. Silver Surfer, massive cosmic landscape, just like a card that I hate seeing playing against because I lose to it constantly. And then Zabu, <laughs> the saber-toothed cat of Kazar. Big, big dip, big dip. I think we can agree. Um, I've only seen it used against me a handful of times now. So I don't, and I lost miserably to like an Omega Red Crossbones combo. So I'm guessing it's going to be pretty, pretty powerful. And then I'm going to lose to it a bunch as I progress in this, uh, this season. But I did think it was pretty funny that we went from like two massive recognizable characters to Kazar's pet cat. <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, that was a, that was a bold choice. Bold choice to start the year, Marvel Snap. Uh, but yeah, I'm fully expecting, hoping that I'll be replacing some of my Snap usage with Midnight Suns here. I've got my copy on the way. They just had their first sale uh, recently where I get the Legendary Edition and the Enhanced Edition are like 20 bucks off. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. I was thinking about it anyway. I've been hearing good things, generally good things, not like amazing things, right? Not like God of War Ragnarok or something where I'm like, I'm going to play this and it is going to change my life. But, uh, but I've been hearing generally good things about Marvel Midnight Suns. And although I was very hesitant to play anything that isn't like, that's card-based strategy, I guess is what it is, uh, I've heard enough good things. I've heard enough good things. And I'm going to try it. All right. Heard enough good things. So I should have some thoughts on Midnight Suns here in the near future. All right. Final comments. Strife was a waste in Marauders, says James. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Strife's kind of a waste generally. Um, Harry Osborne as a favorite Harold. All right, <laughs> we'll take it. Harold and the Hendersons. I, I don't even know. What is that? Is that the gorilla one? Is that, does that have to do with a gorilla? Or is that just like the racist guy from the 70s? I'm thinking Archie Bunker, but maybe there's a racist in Harold and the Hendersons. Can't rule it out. Um, thoughts on Professor X. Oh, thoughts on Professor X in the Age of Apocalypse in X-Men Unlimited. Yeah, so I did read that after the last stream. Uh, the current... Marvel Unlimited X-Men series, X-Men Unlimited, is doing um, an Age of Apocalypse uh, storyline, and it's a blast. It's written by Jordan Bloom, who was, I think, one of the co-writers with Patton Oswalt on uh, the MODOK show that briefly aired on Hulu. Uh, I love it. Man, I love the Age of Apocalypse so much, and uh, this this Unlimited story has been really fun. I, again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Marvel Unlimited's X-Men Unlimited comics are shockingly fun. Like, like ever since, like, I don't know, like, episode... 30 or something like they're just they're really nice <laughs> the short burst they're also bringing in a ton of really cool creative talent you know these unlimited comics like it's you know we're getting a lot like steve fox jordan bloom stephanie williams um uh oh i'm, I'm missing a bazillion i'm sure 
but it's like, you know, Alex, Alex uh, Pachtadel. Like all these like, I don't want to say up and coming, but like these, these creators that are not on the mainstream Marvel radar, right, are getting to do X books on X-Men Unlimited. And it's giving the sense of like, oh, cool. We have like a fresh creative stable here of characters who could get to play in this universe in more detail, um, which is awesome. That rules. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun to see the AOA kind of in action. And I would recommend people check that out. It's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, what is the panel on Scream from? Banksy asked, with the you think you know everything. That's Strife and Marauders. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, it is Strife. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. Find me on social at comicbookherald. And of course, like, subscribe, share the YouTube channel here. And uh, again, I'll be back any week. The comics are good. Let's do it. Let's do it live. Let's look. What comes out next week? And is it likely that I'll be doing a live stream. Let us check together. Where do you all go to uh, to see what comics come out? I still go to comicsology.com, even though it is, you know, this bastardized Amazon experience. Um, it's still just kind of instinctively my go-to. I figured out their weird navigation menu just by virtue of doing it so much. Let's see, we got Legion of X number nine. So that's going to be a lead-in to Sins of Sinister. So that could be interesting. We got Amazing Spider-Man number 17, a Dark Web tie-in. Ugh. Uh, Mary Jane Black Cat should be fine. X-Men number 18, which is going to be a post-Captain... Oh, that was the other, I guess, X-issue, was the Captain Marvel number 45, which is going to transition into... Maybe not this issue, but uh, but maybe a future... Maybe, does it start with X-Men number 19, the Brood stuff? Captain Marvel did some X-Men Brood stuff, and then... Let's see. No, number 18 is going to be a sync. A sync episode, so it's going to be issue 19. So this will be not be Brood follow-up. We're going to have an X-Men issue. We're going to have Wolverine. All right, we're up to three... Three X-Men comics next week. Wolverine, X-Men, and Legion of X. Ooh, it's a possibility. It's a possibility of live stream. I don't love our odds. Hey, I like League of Comic Geeks better. I do. Um, but uh, I don't know why. It's just not my, like, instinct. Uh, but I do like League of Comic Geeks better. That Yes, I'm seeing that recommended, and I do prefer it. Let's see. Anything else? Anything? Any final thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll answer this final question. Marcos asks, now that Duggan is writing both Iron Man and X-Men, do you think the marriage of Emma Frost and Tony Stark, teased in 2021's Timeless, will come to fruition? So that was teased... Was it teased in Timeless again? It might have been. I haven't actually read those. Uh, that was teased originally in the history of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade and... is it? I think it's Javier Rodriguez? Um... There's a sequence where Franklin Richards and Galactus are talking and they say, you know, they mention a bunch of things that are to come. And one of them was like the King in Black, for example. Most of them that were things that have happened. And one of the big ones, I think this came out in like 2019, I'm going to guess. Uh, one of the big ones was Emma Frost and Tony Stark will get married. And that has sent fans into a tizzy ever since. Now, you all may not remember this, but... Literally, I think the biggest piece of news I've ever broken <laughs> in my life was interviewing Mark Wade a year or two ago. And I asked, uh, what's the deal with that teaser in the history of the Marvel Universe? You know, is that, were you making those up? Is that something that, you know, these are all things that are definitely going to happen? And Mark Wade confirmed. I broke him down. Like, I, I had to get tough. I had to get tough. I broke him down, got him to confirm <laughs> with my journalistic skills that he made that one up. 
that the rest of that, like King Black was like, yeah, that's a thing. That's an event that's coming. I can mention that. Uh, the Emma Frost Tony Stark one, that's one that he just made up. That was not planned. That was not included anywhere else. So could someone pull that and run with it? A la Duggan in Iron Man number five, where Emma Frost is teased on the cover? Yes, they could. But that one was not actually planned. So no, I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's happening. It would be so one-sided and only good for Tony. <laughs> like, like every time, if you're a Tony Stark fan, you're like, yeah, great. Married Emma. That's, that's really cool. Good job, Tony. If you're an Emma Frost fan, you're like, no. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Right? I mean, that's got to be the breakdown there. Nobody feels good about that for Emma. So no, I don't think it's going to happen. And I know that from firsthand journalism that I conducted and then was curated and picked up across the World Wide Web sites like Newsarama, Screen Rant, probably Bleeding Cool. <laughs> One of my many contributions to the comic book landscape. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, enjoy the comics. <laughs>